Welcome to Mysterious Goings On. We're going to get right to the show after these messages. Hi, this is Cassandra Lane. I'm the author of We Are Bridges, a memoir. You're listening to Mysterious Goings On with Alex Greenwood. things there is a season a time to laugh and a time to cry a time for planting and a time for harvesting a time for making war and a time for peace a time to live and a time to die that's from ecclesiastes but to go further each man who journeys through life must travel through its seasons and ultimate lessons for some the journey is brief their life's light is fleeting they're like rockets that flare to the heavens glowing brightly only go black in the next instance. Still others travel what seems to be an abbreviated journey, missing some of life's seasons, never knowing the agony or the ecstasy of what they have missed. But some, some live each season, taste each tear, relish in each sunrise, brace themselves against each burst of wind. They have traveled life's highways and finally joined the many pieces of themselves into the whole person they were born to be. Well, if you can, Stop reeling from that incredibly wonderful paragraph uh, written by our guest today. Uh, you're going to be in for a treat because we're going to meet him. We are going to meet Carl Buscellato, who is the author of To Every Page, A Turning, One Life's Journey. Could I call you, Carl, and welcome you into Mysterious Please Goings do, On? Please do, Alex. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, I have such great respect for you and your achievements, uh, not just the book achievements, of course, but just your life in general that I always feel like saying Mr. to you, but I appreciate you letting me call you Carl. Please do. Carl, this is, this book is not, um, it's not really a memoir, it's not really a biography, but it really is uh, a companion to your own life. And I believe you started uh, this, this journey to writing this book when you were cleaning out the garage? Yes, well, the story goes, and it's, uh, it's in the book, you will find it. I, I was a journaler and a note taker for 50 years of my life. And it helped me, those journals and notes helped me to record emotions and feelings I, I was experienced in a particular day. And so I could write it down and remember them as they were. So later on, I could share them in various groups, self-help groups to overcome some of issues of my life. And as a result of that, I collected 50 years worth of those documents. And in a, in a filing cabinet in our garage, lay these documents that have been sitting there since 1996 when I stopped doing it. And I'll tell you why in a few moments. And I took them out. And as I started to read them, memories came flooding back to me. And my wife came in and said, what's going on in there? She saw me bent over and emotional over some things. And she said, what is this? And I showed it to her. And she said, you know, this is really good stuff. You ought to put this together and share it with other people. And that became the stimulus to do the book 
I had never thought of it as a book before, but that became the stimulus to the book. Well, first of all, I think every writer knows this, uh, whomever they are, um, there's usually somebody standing beside or behind them saying, you can do this and you should do this. And you had Mary Ellen. Absolutely. She has been uh, the absolute joy of my life. And we just celebrating our, we just did celebrate till last Tuesday, our 14th anniversary, wedding anniversary. And uh, she, she came along at a time that I really needed inspiration and encouragement and a pathway to a deeper sense of faith and feeling of what's going on in the world. And she really opened those doors for me. She really did. She's, she's a wonder. She's a wonderful woman. And I'm blessed many, to have her. Many congrats. Yes. And that's very evident through your book, uh, how blessed you are to, to have her in yes. your life. And what's, what's wonderful, um, there's, one or, there's several words that come to mind as I think about reading through the book. Is, uh, but one is gratitude. You are not a man who is afraid of expressing gratitude or your feelings or just yourself. Um, so I'd, I'd love to just chat with you for a minute for the listeners to, to understand what to every page of turning is. Um, again, we both, we both touched on it. It's obviously based or, or leans heavily on experiences of your life, but you chose not to say a memoir. Now you're a you're a respected executive of a huge company. Uh, you've retired now, of course. You, you, you've, you've led so many lives, as we chatted about earlier. Um, you saw the Berlin Wall come down, I believe. You, you've done all these, you served three presidents. You've done all these things. Yes. Why didn't you just say, I'm going to make a memoir about my life rather than make it fictionalized? For the same reason I didn't name the protagonist in the book. People have said, why haven't you, why didn't you name him? You know, if it's a pseudonym for yourself or it's supposed to be you, why didn't you name him? Because I really don't see this as much, although clearly it follows my life. Every event in the book is real. They all happened. Hmm. They do follow my life. But I don't see it solely as a uh, autobiography. As a matter of fact, I don't even see it as a biography. What I see it as a representation of my generation of people who lived through that era, that end of the 21st century with all of its changes and all of the, the demands on it. It's, it's, it's cycles of ups and downs and demands and uh, drug addictions and, and, and uh, war years and people changing politically and all of those things that happened to my generation are encapsulated in that book. And as a matter of fact, many, many people who have read the book have said to me afterwards, you know, this, you were telling my story. This is me you're talking about. And even though they didn't have, maybe didn't have the exact same situations, they had situations close enough for them to parallel it with their own lives and get in touch with their own emotions and memories about it. And I intentionally did not want the focus to be on, hey, Carl, you know, when in 1986, when you did this and the president said that, that's not what it was about. It was about, it was about an individual who grew out of very difficult, grew up from very difficult circumstances and life contrived to either kill you or survive. And way you, the people you talk to, the mentors you reach, the lessons you learn along the way are what makes you into the different person. You know, you were very grateful, gracious just now. And you said, I'm, a, I'm an open person. I'm willing to be transparent. I'm willing to show my emotions. 
Remember, that wasn't always true. I'm in a Sicilian, born of a Sicilian family, and the old Tory about omerta, silence, and keeping things to yourself was very true to me as a young man. All of those things uh, would never be revealed. That's why they were written in, in uh, documents that no one ever saw for 50 years. The, the groups that I talked to who lived through certain circumstances and helped me get over you know, those, those issues and get through those issues, they were uniquely aware of what was going on. But my own family didn't know half of the things in this book. My own children didn't know some of the things in this book because they were kept inside. And as I evolved, as I grew into a place where I felt I could trust and become more transparent, I revealed more and more to different people. And I also realized that as I was revealing certain things about my past and willing to be transparent enough to show my emotion, a strange thing happened. People started reacting to it by looking within themselves, by finding things for themselves to learn about, but realizing that there was a path or, or an issue in their path that had been holding them back too long. And they went and found a way through it. And I, I say to everyone, what you're looking is at not only the product of 50 years worth of journaling, but a willingness and a trust in my God to let go and trust him and just trust. And that's who I am. I make no bones about it. That's who I am today. You will concede, though, that it's, it's rare or it, it's seemingly rare for a person of your generation to be quite this open. Uh, you, you happen to be my father's age, and uh, he's not quite the open book that you seem oh. to be. It, was there something, was there a seminal event, one single event, or was it a series of events that led you to, 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 be, to be contemporary Carl, to look back and go and, and really reach back to young Carl? Was there some, some things that really oh. connected? Oh, yeah. So, well, as I say in the book that I was a member of ACOA, Adult Children of Alcoholics. For 12 years, I participated in that. And I went to all of the rooms. And no matter where I was in the country and sometimes in Europe as well, I found a place where there was a meeting and I could share myself privately and anonymously in those environments. But I also attended about 25 or 30 years ago, I attended a weekend that truly changed my life. It was called Choices. And on that weekend, there were groups of people very much like myself who were survivors of many different types of traumas, whether they be uh, adult children of alcoholics or active uh, drug users or uh, people from who were surviving uh, post-traumatic stress from war situations. There were people of every kind there. And what it was was an opportunity for each of us to make choices for ourselves in our life as we go forward by recognizing that we each have an inner child. There's a child within each one of us that was either nurtured and helped to grow by another adult or somehow had to learn to fight and survive for itself. And that child is still inside of me. And so on that weekend, I learned that I could take that child and nurture it myself in the places that I didn't feel I was nurtured from parents that, not because they didn't want to give it to me, they just didn't know any better. They just didn't have any more to give. And so when I was able to do that and overcome issues of feeling lack of self-worth, overcoming issues of feeling embarrassment and shame because of my father's alcoholism, 
overcome feelings of repression from uh, going, trying to battle your way through the world and finding that sometimes you hurt people along the way. Physically and emotionally, you hurt people along the way. And so you not only have to be able to say, I'm sorry to, to allow others to say, I'm sorry to you and you receive it. You have to be willing to say, I'm sorry also. You have to be able, I had to be willing. I won't say you, I'm saying I had to be able to say to other people, I'm sorry. I had to say to myself, I'm sorry that when you were going through all these issues, no one was there for you, including yourself. Well, I'm here now. And so that weekend helped me enormously to overcome old issues. To stop being, and in many ways, I'll always be the kid from the streets of Brooklyn. You know, there are yeah. things that in your tapes that they're always there. But the instinct to be fight or flight is not as real to me as it used to be. I'm, I'm a much more peaceful man. And I'm, and I'm very willing to uh, contribute my share to the world. I've been blessed greatly. And I know that, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. So I offer my hand, not only financially, that's the easy part. Ironically, today, that's the easy part. But with my time and with my emotions and my willingness to, to open to other people and accept them and embrace them. I'm going through something right now that may seem funny to you. My, my landscaper that I've had, the gardener that I've had, through four different houses came to me yesterday and he said, you know, with the pandemic, I couldn't work very much. And my, my, uh, my uh, rider mower died. And at the same time, my truck died and I can't do both. So I'm helping him find a truck. Oh. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on the computer day looking for trucks. <laughs> but you know what? So what? <laughs> you help people where you can. You know? Yeah, with no expectation of any of anything other than hey thanks you know that that's that's the true gift uh, uh, if if it's offered that way so you know what I'm hearing Carl too is that particularly for listeners who may have gone through uh, some similar childhood issues trauma it's trauma okay I mean let's be yeah. fair this is called psychologically it's called trauma do it you classify would you classify what you went through as something that caused a post traumatic stress situation with you well. It wasn't war related. While I, well, there were a lot of experiences that I shared with different people, and, and, and I, I have some very, very dear friends. So, one particular friend of mine who was probably one of the most decorated combat officers, Marine combat officers of Vietnam, he read this book and he said he cried for the first time in 50 years. Oh, my goodness. First time in 50 years. So, uh, I think that I, I carried some trauma with me from my childhood, from the streets of New York, the streets of Brooklyn. There was trauma, certainly, that I carried with me over the issues of the addictions of my parent. And when one of my children became addicted to drugs, I was hell-bent. I buried a, power, a father. I was not going to bury a child to, the, to this addiction. And so I, you know, I made it my business to get emotionally and deeply involved to provide anything that I could to rescue and provide a pathway to sanity for this yeah. person who was went through it, and I had the blessing of uh, of uh, uh, enjoying her wedding and uh, and all the great things that came to it, you know. And uh, so, so I I did have certain traumas that needed to overcome. There's no doubt about it. And uh, uh, with it all, and the experience of having my father die in my arms, dear friends 
die in my arms, experience things that were enormously empowering. I mean, just occasion, the occasion to be there when the Berlin Wall came down right. and to witness these thousands and thousands of people surging to get through, to reach a, a place of freedom, a place they'd been denied for so long, coming through that wall, kissing the ground, embracing soldiers that had been their, their captors for so long, who then threw down their weapons and embraced the people back. Those are things that you can't, Hollywood can't dream those things up. That's the human condition. That is the human condition. And I was blessed to be with them. They're my brothers and sisters in life. And I was blessed to be with them that day. And yet my life was so different than theirs and how I lived and the, you know, the benefits that I had. But for those hours while I was there with them, it was enormously a blessing to me, enormously. You, you strike me though, and I've said this earlier, where you, not to belabor it, but you seem so open, Carl. You seem so open to, to receiving lessons from your experiences. This is, yeah. this is not a, in my opinion, this is not an ordinary thing. Well, maybe it's not. I know that I'm a, the type of person who had to accept the fact that I'm, I'm not typical. I know that I came from a family that, uh, Nobody went to college, let alone graduated, let alone got masters and things like that. I was dyslexic when I was a kid. I was, you know, I, I could, couldn't read out loud because it was embarrassing because I'd fumfer over words. Yet, I never failed a test in my life. Never got less than an A on a report, on a card of any kind. Never in my life did that happen. Now, did that mean that I was given some extraordinary sense of things? Maybe. Maybe I'm a little different than other people. Maybe I see things, you know, uh, in technicolor and stereo sound, you know, that, where others just have a little bleep now and then, but that's what made me a successful businessman also, to see issues in the world that needed addressing, to be able to build a team that I could share my vision with, and they caught on to it and helped to build that situation into something very meaningful. I mean, I've been the CEO and chairman of multiple companies that have taken public and some of them unicorns that spike up into the billion dollar ranges, you know, it's been an amazing ride. It really has. And as you said earlier, you know, I had the good fortune of being able to serve three different presidents. I mean, it's a kid from Brooklyn and there I am in the Oval Office, you know, <laughs> You know, I, I've not had quite that level, but at one, uh, one another life of mine, I, I, I'll never forget this. I was, it's a long story, but I remember I was sitting directly in his home in the governor's mansion, the governor of our state, eating lunch with him. Yeah. And for a minute, I had to pinch myself and say, hey, Alex, you're sitting next to the governor of our state and you're watching him eat a submarine sandwich. <laughs> yeah. And here's, what, here's a good one for you. Here's a good yeah. one for you. He handed me black jelly beans. Who am I talking about? Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. <laughs> you have met some legends. It's it's incredible. Oh, yeah. You know, you may be. You, of course, you may be legendary among them. Hey, I, I want to ask you this though. You were obviously a journaler, obviously. So you're you're not afraid of words, and you overcame dyslexia. So you. Yes. Uh, so we we've we've established that we've established that you're very open, that you're receiving, you're listening, you're yes. you're chronicling. How was it to write the book? How, how, how long did it take you? Was it a struggle? I'd love just to hear a few words about that. 
Okay, so I said a moment ago, I found a catch of 50 years worth of journaling the notes. Right. First thing I had to do is decide, not couldn't put it all in a book. It would have been the Encyclopedia Britannica. You know, it was just too much. So I had to say, okay, let me reduce things, these things down to select those pieces that I want to use that have a pattern and a flow to them that a reader could look at and not get lost into too much detail and too much time and you know forget what the purpose was. So I had to first select which of those things I wanted to use. Right. Then I comprised them all together and I did a fresh shot as into collecting them and massaging them into uh, a narrative type of novel that would flow chapter to chapter. Then my, my grandson, Bobby, who's uh, a... <laughs> He's the historian for the state of Florida, and he himself has written five books. Oh, my. Five books. Great young man. I'm going to give you his name after the show. You should have him on one day. And right. he, he's extremely intelligent, very capable young man. And uh, so he looked at it and he said, uh, Poppy, I like it, but I'm too close to you. I'm going to give you the name of an editor. Good. It'll help you look at it with a slightly different set of eyes. And we did. They didn't change very much. I must admit, they didn't change very much, but we did move some chapters around in different places and uh, uh, massage it a bit. And that took about five months, six months altogether to do all of that. Then we put it out to uh, different e uh, publishers to go. And uh, the editor said to me, you know, it could take, with this pandemic going on, it could take two, three years before anybody gets back to you. So yeah. I figured, look, I'm 79 years old. I may not be here two, three years from now. What can I do to modify this? So they suggested I go to uh, a couple of companies that you can uh, co-publish with. You don't publish yeah. it all yeah. on your own, but they, they they do some, you do some, and so forth. And Mascot, was, Mascot Press was very happy to do that. So we did it. I did it with them. And uh, the book came out, and we did a little pre-advance on it where we we we've had about uh, 60 books distributed to different people around the country to give feedback on. And then in April of uh, this year, we came to the bookshelves. And uh, I must say, I've been very amazed at the reaction to it. I've gotten some beautiful reviews and great reception. You know. So that's the story of how it came together. Yeah, it, it's it's a lovely volume, folks. It's about 170, I think, no, 172 pages or so. Uh, it, it really does move. And uh, it's also a book you can, and, and I know, Carl, you'll take this the way I intended. It's a book you can you can read a few bite-sized portions of and right. put it put it down to go through your day and then come back to it like an old friend. And right. of course, this old friend doesn't have a name because as you said, Carl, this the protagonist <laughs> could be, you know. Um, I love that aspect of it. Um, just think of what you just said, Alex. Yeah. While you're reading that book, put yeah. your name in there. Yeah. Alex did this, Alex did that. And you say, you know what? Maybe I didn't, but I got to talk to my father. Maybe he really did these things. He's the same age. He lived through those experiences in life. Yeah. Well, that, that leads me to one of my, sadly, one of my final questions. But I, I, I got to ask you, Carl, um, uh, you're a chronicler of the age, of, of the age of your life, your lifetime. And this, I'm, I'm, I want you to put America on the couch, on the, like the therapy couch. Are we okay? I, I think we will be okay. I don't think we're okay at the moment. I think we're in some serious issues that need to be resolved. 
Yeah. And the first and foremost, of course, is that the nation is, in my opinion, dividing into camps. And when we don't have e pluribus unum together, we stand, you know, we have a problem in this country because we are a nation that can and has proven can overcome anything when we address it together. But there are camps on both sides that are looking for power plays and they're working to divide us. And I think that's a very, very serious problem. I, I, you know, I'm not going to speak out politically about a whole bunch of stuff, but I think that I think the press uh, has made a serious mistake in failing to be an open and unbiased press. I think that's a big issue here, and we have to uh, we have to be certain that we preserve our our nation because the Constitution and the Bill of Rights have survived for so many years, and all these tens of hundreds of millions of people who want to come to this country want to come here because we have something very unique, and if we don't preserve it. The whole ball of wax falls on us, you know. So uh, I think it's it's time for us to realize we're in trouble. I'm very. I have a 13 year old daughter. I'm very nervous about her future for a variety of reasons that we don't have yeah. to go into. And I I I I look to people of, like yourself who have some wisdom of years and and some accomplishment. And I I appreciate that how you outline what the issues are because I totally agree with you. Uh, and yeah, we could get down into little policy things, but that's not really what I'm up to here. Uh, I'll just leave you with this uh, uh, last thing about this, that, that really, this is what really, for me, did it the worst was we, uh, Ronald Reagan, who you mentioned, do you remember he gave a speech once or a talk and he said, what would we all do in this world if aliens invaded? And his point, it was a little funny, everybody laughed, but his yeah. point was, we would band together, would we not? That's right. So here we, we have the greatest pandemic in a hundred years and we've splintered. How did yeah. that happen? Yeah. Uh, I, I wish I knew how that happened, but I do know that, unfortunately, there were powers that the that there was one political group in place working day and night to get vaccines out and accomplishing it. And yeah. everybody was saying, well, it can't be good. You can't take it because this group sponsored it. And then he got voted out and another group got voted in. And all of a sudden, you know, you have to take this vaccine regardless of what happened there because it's your... It's your freedom move. And many, many of us, including myself, you know, took the, the Pfizer shots, both of the Pfizer shots, not knowing what they are. Me too. Know, not knowing what they are. And uh, uh, people on one side are saying, well, you know, it's not a real vaccine and it has these all these artificial things in it that may give you a problem later on. Well, later on means what? I'm 80 years old. It's going to give me a problem when I'm 96. <laughs> So, uh, you know, uh, I, I do think that uh, too much, you know, in Cervantes said in Don Quixote de la Mancha, too much sanity is insanity. Oh, my goodness. Too much sanity is insanity. And when we look at some of the insanity that's going on under the guise of people saying, we know better, we're sane and they're not. It's absurd. It really is absurd. I I, I, I just want to say that I all I wanted I just I want to get back to where we could just argue over taxes and spending and and, right. and that stuff. But arguing right. over facts, that a settled fact, or over arguing arguing over things like that, to me there there lies madness. But I didn't mean to get off on that. But I did want to ask uh -huh. you as you know I mean 
and, and I think you'll res- you'll understand what I say. Mean when I say this, you, you you hear of elder statesmen, you hear of the elders. We you know the the silver on your hair is a crown of gold. We should be asking your opinions of these things because yeah. you've seen it, you've seen this yeah. stuff, and so yeah. that's why I ask you about that. And I hope you don't mind me indulging in that. I, I don't at all, and I'm happy that you did. And uh, I would not have injected it into your show because it's your pace to decide what you wanted. But I'm glad you gave me a platform to say what I think that. Uh, we have the greatest opportunity in the history of man to come back together as a single nation, united. Yeah. yeah. And we need to do it for the salvation of mankind. Because if we don't do it, this country doesn't do it. Who's going to do it? Where is it going to be in the future? It must be us. It's the shining city on the hill, the last best hope for, for freedom in the world. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure people who, and we do have a fair amount of folks who don't live in the United States or listen to my show. And, and I hope you all understand when we say that we're not being arrogant. We just feel that uh, at least the principles we were formed by, where we are led, we are led by principles and not people, so to speak. You know, we, That's our, right. our oath is to our constitution, which is ultimately about all of us rather than a king That's or dictator. Right. So that's, right. that's all we really mean by that, because I think a lot of times some of, I have to be careful with this, Carl, because some of my listeners from outside the U.S., you know, think, oh, gosh, you guys think you're better than everybody else. No, we don't. We just strive so hard for that perfect union. That's what we're all about. Um, so, uh, gosh, look at me. I'm, I'm putting my foot in it now. I got to be careful. I've got a lot of Canadian listeners. I got a lot of U.K. listeners here. Carl, I want to ask you a last question here, if I could. And again, thank you for your being so candid with that. Um What's next? Are you, is there going to be another volume? Are you, you got it out of your system or do you well, want to do more? <laughs> I, I've started to structure out two different books. Yeah. One of them will be similar to the book, the first book, where it'll carry, carry through with a central character. And the other one is, uh, is more, it's called Along the Way. And ironically, uh, it comes as a result of so many people calling and writing me and asking questions and contributing their own thoughts and opinions or issues that happened with them along the way of their lives. And uh, so I started to structure that out. And one of my publicists told me a couple of weeks ago, you know, you're really easy to talk to. And everybody enjoys talking with you. Why don't you do a show yourself? You know, so what I'm going to do is uh, they've suggested I create a radio program that would be on on a regular basis mm-hmm. and uh, it'll be promoted through different uh, uh, social media things. And uh, I will interview guests, not necessarily guests that have something to do with my book, although right. I will talk about subjects in the book, but people I have met along the way who have given me great insights, messages, and instincts. And, you know, there's a, a lady that, uh, uh, unfortunately, I can't have her on the show because she's passed, but f- probably 40 years ago, uh, we were, I was sitting in this group, this prayer group, and she and her husband came in late. And they, were, they were always on time. They were older people. And we said, hey, what's going on with you guys? And he just, you know, said, oh, oh I'm sorry, we're a little late. You know, she, she just had a, a, a lot of things going today. So I looked at him and I said, you're smiling like a Cheshire cat. What's going on? And she said, oh, God and I just had a good laugh together. And, and that struck me so hard to have a laugh with the living God, to know that it's more than just 
going into church and genuflating, taking the Eucharist, or to open the Bible if you're in a, in, a, in a different group, or to just sit around in a circle and talk. God and I had a laugh together today. Wow, that was so impactive to me. I would love to have her on the show, but she's passed. She's having to laugh with him every day now. <laughs> you know? I, I think you'd be tremendous. You are extraordinarily uh, easy to speak with and uh, charming, and 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 uh, I think you would you do well to do that. You should think about that seriously. Well, I'm going to turn the tables on you as soon as I get it locked up. I'd like you to be a guest on my show. Oh well, okay, uh, <laughs> sure. I don't think I'm all that interesting, but uh, absolutely, sure. I think you are. We'll see. You made some comments today that you, when you look back at them, you'll see you revealed a lot of things. <laughs> Well, I, you know what? I'll, can I say this in all humility? I feel as if you and I are somewhat fellow travelers in the sense that I'm open to. I, I'm yeah, trying I to always receive lessons and learnings and, and figure things out and try to improve myself. And uh, gosh knows, I've been a jackass in my youth and, and I'm trying so hard not to be. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Oh my gosh, Carl, Carl Bushelano, you have been a... A delight. I wish we had more time. Um, you're joining us from Coral Springs, Florida. That's on the Atlantic side, right? Yes, that's just north of Fort Lauderdale. I am in your state a lot. I, uh, My wife and I got married in uh, Naples and we honeymooned down in the Keys and we go back every so often. And uh, boy, it was our first vacation after COVID. We went down to uh, the Keys and took our daughter who'd never been and, and just ate, ate everything and had a great time. And it was, it was right at the right time between uh, before Delta really hit again. So it was wonderful. Well, Alex, I'm going to make an invitation to you. Oh, oh all right. Come down with that Italian wife of yours. Yeah. Please let me know. And I will take my wife and I will take the two of you to a restaurant where you will lick your fingers. Oh, boy. You, you, Carl, that's a date. I'm, I've got this on tape here. You do realize I, that, sir. I'm saying right. it to the world. I'm saying it to the world. Um, <laughs> you will love it. I guarantee you. Girl. I won't say the name online because that'll be like promoting it. But the, there you go. Well, there you go. <laughs> and people will find us there and then want autographs. Think, you know, then you have all the crowds side signing us. Carl Fuchelato. The book is To Every Page of Turning One Life's Journey. Uh, it's put out by Mascot uh, Books. And um, where can we find this, sir? On Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Mascot. Uh, Billions of books that they call it, I guess they call it or something. There's books a website, a yeah. a website to everypageattorney.com. Okay. So any one of those you can get. Well, good news, listeners. You don't have to pull the car over in traffic or stop walking on the treadmill or whatever it is you're doing while you're listening because you just have to go to mgopod.com. And I'm going to put links to this book, to the aforementioned website of Carl's. I'm also going to put a picture of his handsome mug and a picture of the cover. It's all going to be right there on mgopod.com. And we're going to uh, get this, uh, we're recording this uh, at a different point in time, as you may have guessed, listeners, but we're going to make sure we try to get this thing out uh, ahead of the holidays as best we can. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to my producer, but uh, Carl was nice enough to send me an autographed copy here. And I think it'd be a great gift for all the people, uh, you and yours and your family. So we'll see what we can do about that. Carl Bucciolato, thank you so much uh, for brightening my day and, and for telling your story here on uh, Mysterious Goings On. Alex, it's been a pleasure. I'm so happy to have met you. You're really an interesting man. Thank you.
This episode is brought to you by Spotify and Anchor, your source for the best in music, podcasts, and more. You can also be someone who helps bring more to your life with Mysterious Goings On by being a listener supporter. Please click on the link in our show notes and you will be offered three tiers for support. We have a 99 cent per month tier, $4.99 per month, and $9.99 per month. You can buy it with Google Pay or use with a credit card instead. This helps keep the show going. I could use your support if you really enjoy Mysterious Goings On and lots of you have since 2016. We'd love to keep going and some listener support like you would be very, very helpful to me and keeping the show moving right along there. So as I always say at the end of every show, keep reading, but also keep listening and please consider supporting Mysterious Goings On. Thanks so much for listening to Mysterious Goings On. Don't forget we have a complete archive of all of our interviews, monologues, updates, live readings, dead readings. All of that stuff is available at mgopod.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to us so you never miss an episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the usual suspects. Please join us there. Again, don't forget, mgopod.com also has links where to find me on social media and how to get in touch in case you want to be a guest here on the show. Well, I think it's time that I move on for this week, but until next time, keep reading.